0: Hiya folks, Jeb here. As I said on last week's episode, we encountered a pretty basic but pretty unignorable and intractable engineering error on this and the previous episode. Unfortunately, even with studio magic, there's not much we can do to make me not sound like I'm talking to you through the building air vent from three floors down. And there's not much I can do to remove the incidental clicks and rasps on my track. This is not indicative of the quality we typically bring to this podcast, and if you are a first-time listener and would like to take a representative sample of the work of Quaid in Full, please pick virtually any other episode but these last two. Thanks.
1: They play by a different set of rules. It will be hostile. Their fans are unruly.
0: Welcome back to Quaid and Full, the podcast with all the thoughts to give about actor Dennis Quaid and the only podcast that knows you're not sated until you are quaid I am Jeb Lund, the only West Virginian who isn't feral, and I'm here with team shoelace manager Sarah D. Bunting. Hot, hot, Sarah.
2: My name is Donald. (laughs) Can't believe I pulled that. Thank
0: you. So we are here to talk about 2008's The Express, starring our friend Dennis Quaid, or co-starring our friend Dennis Quaid, Uh, Do we have any pod business before I get down to the plot summary?
2: No, we do not.
0: Yay! We meet Ernie Davis, Rob Brown, as he's running for his safety, if not his life, from racist pop bottle collectors in Uniontown, PA. His dad's out of the picture and mom's out of town, and his grandpa, Charles S. Dutton, is raising him, teaching him to overcome his stutter and to celebrate new baseball sensation Jackie Robinson. But mom... Angenu Ellis, comes back and takes Ernie to Elmira, New York, where he plays Pop Warner football for coaches that depend on him to win, but who are so racist that they can't even bother getting him a team t-shirt. He is such a winner, in fact, that Syracuse head coach Ben Schwartzwalder, Dennis Quaid, enlists his graduating star Jim Brown, Darren DeWitt-Henson, to help recruit Davis to play for the Orange. We watch as Ernie rides a bench for a season as a freshman, meets his girlfriend, the friend's fellow black player Jack Buckley, Omar Benson-Miller, then becomes a starter and leads the Orange to an undefeated season and a title, along with virulently racist and cartoonishly exaggerated games in West Virginia and Texas on the way to becoming the first Black Heisman Trophy winner. And here you wish the movie had ended, because the only other thing that Ernie Davis is famous for is dying of leukemia before playing a single game for the Cleveland Browns. It's a biopic arama with grainy cuts, black and white, sudden juttery camera, and a civil rights movement that shows up when it's necessary. The question is, is the movie contemporary reviews seem to say yes, but not overwhelmingly.
2: Yeah, I was surprised that that I didn't read a ton of reviews because it all ended up being kind of like three out of four, three out of five stars. And everyone seemed extremely kindly disposed to this movie, which is not bad, Hmm. but we've just seen it before. And it just seemed like a kind of plugged in story of, well, it's two stories. It's triumph over athletic adversity. And then that adversity is a civil rights slash racial justice story that is, like you said, it's there when it's necessary. And everything is very kind of cartoonish and highlights magazine. And I kept trying to think of ways that it could have been more by numbers. And I couldn't. And for that reason, two hours and nine minutes felt way too long because you're not getting, you're not getting a ton of good performances. Various people are wasted. Nicole Bihari as the girlfriend doesn't get enough to do except like look at a TV and react ecstatically We'll get to Dennis Quaid in a minute, but Rob Brown, who is the lead, is not helped by this very stiff dialogue. I just don't think that this is how people talked to each other or talk to each other now. Like, here's a representative clip where Ernie is basically getting yelled at for, like, not being a race man, basically, by his, is that his brother or his cousin? I'm not clear. Will childhood associate and it just was like this is i mean this is well done if this is how people talked but it just isn't i don't think clip two hold
1: on watch how you that talk. Man don't care nothing about you, not you don't know him you just you're just educated th- nigga you don't know what you're talking about. tom can toe the line and carry the ball but that man will turn on you just you wait
0: you don't think i'm reminded every minute of who i am at school Everybody there is watching me and waiting for me to make a mistake.
1: You Ernie Davis. You got your name in the paper. Now that's something for color folk around here to open up a newspaper, Ernie, and see your name, your face, and say I know him. I went to school with him. They're going to be looking up to you. I think you owe them more than just running a ball.
2: I mean, this is sort of my issue with this movie in a nutshell. That's quite a good performance of not credible dialogue. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, nothing he says is untrue. It's just not how people speak to each other. And Rob Brown is usually the weakest performer in any scene. And that's not his fault. It's, you know, between the script and who he happens to be thrown in with. And The story itself is like extremely, like you couldn't make that up and be believed (laughs) that this was the arc of this man's short life. So this was like a trial for me to get through, kind of. I just was very impatient throughout.
0: Yeah, I I, I had a similar feeling because, you know, as we were talking off mic, we've all we've both seen this kind of movie so many times. And I had seen some of the reviews and I, you know, seen kind of like what the, the review aggregation was. And it was 60% favorable, sort of like just over the line mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, every scene, I kind of kept waiting for the moment that I didn't feel that way about. And there were a couple, but there weren't enough. And, you know, like reading the reviews, the contemporary reviews, and I, I'm not even really going to bother with a lot of the quotes just because they're going to say the same things that we have, um, Like Ebert saying, the formula is basic and durable, and when you hitch it to a good story, you can hardly fail. Mm. And then he also adds, there's a lot of football in the movie. It's well presented, but there is the oddity that it's almost entirely successful, entirely shows success. Which, yeah, you know you know that this guy is going to make it. That's the whole bit, you know, that he's the first. So, I mean, I don't know how gritty you have to make that, because, like, we all know the outcome, what the outcome is going to be. In the Chronicle of Peter Hartlob wrote that the film deserved credit for abandoning the Remember the Titans Glory Road formula. Mm-hmm. And so I think some of that, the praise came from like this was maybe the first movie of this type in recent years that had a bigger story than you don't think they're going to win, but they do. Yeah. And then Ann Hornaday in the Post, the Washington Post, said that the Express finesse is a cinematic hat trick. It's entertaining, deeply moving, and genuinely important. And also described it as filmed with pulverizing accuracy, which uh, I'll point out that like I think the longest section about this movie on Wikipedia is just about what is made up, or right. like or tweaked or falsified <laughs> right. from the true story. Like the right. fact that they have to beat Texas for the national title in an era where at the close of the regular season the national title was conferred on somebody and the Cotton Bowl played no role in determining whether they were a champion. So. So much of the dramatic uh, heft of that game is just falsified, which right. I mean, fine. But
2: Well, in the I Am t- Texicus scene before it, which is like, because you've seen movies before, you're sort of knee-jerk moved by it, even though you know what's going to happen. It's like, well, let's see how they do it. Oh, Texas. I-, I mean, I don't know. I expected a little more discernment about his own motives from Ebert in this in this case, that it's like, just... Just admit that you were lulled by the structure, by the framework, because that's kind of the only um not positive. Again, it's not bad. It's mm-hmm. just extremely formulaic. And I don't think there's anything wrong with just saying that and being like, but it's a formula I like. OK. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I get
0: a little bit of the sense from his review that he's just going like, I like a good sports movie, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, that's fine. true. And he's right. You know, like a good sports movie will will get me through a lot, you know, like just, uh, all right, are they going to do it? I mean, I've seen it 30 times before and they always do, but who knows this time?
2: Mm, Yeah,
0: (laughs) I'm (laughs) homesick. I'm on the sofa. I'm not changing the channel.
2: Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. This is kind of, yeah, this is kind of that movie. Um, I just kept thinking, like looking at Dutton's performance, looking at Bahari's performance such as it was, like, given what she was given to do. Um, And then uh, infant Chadwick Boseman shows up at the end and it's like, oh, that guy. I miss that guy. I just kept thinking, like, what if this had been um, kind of like our previous episode? What if they had sort of vantage point, cut it up and given it to the people in his life Mm -hmm. as a sort of... uh, palimpsest, I guess, of what it was like to know him and be there at that time because the guy playing Jim Brown, Bahari, Bozeman, Dutton, you know, Clancy Brown is playing a coach who gets like his only lines are like, coach wants to see, you know, <laughs> like you had to cast Clancy Brown for that. All right. But I, I just feel like there was a, um, better, more like dug in and felt Version of this story, but I'm not sure you get it greenlit.
0: Yeah, I I think they would have struggled to persuade a studio like, well, we don't want to see the actual football. Like, these are people who don't have a TV, they're listening to the game. Or, when we see the football, we want it to be on a TV set from 1959 in like a a Sears uh, window. Right. And they're watching it that way, because then you're not going to get the bone crunching and then, you know, maybe it's just sort of like a, a bias of like, what is a viewpoint? Like when I see something, that's just the neutral objective reality. When somebody else is talking about what they saw, that's a, a, a prejudice or a compromise narrative. And there is this, I think, attitude that the, you know, the white mass media has a perfectly clear God's eye view. Mm. And so that's fine. And I think that's a really good suggestion that you had. Like if we had just mediated his growth. In his journey through his dad listening on the radio or talking to people, you know, in the in the mine because he's a coal miner, or you know, his, his girlfriend had been in the stands and with her friends, and they had to piece together what happened. And then we see, you know, we could see the bone crunching from his perspective as he's running or he's being tackled, and like you know, you have some sort of establishing shots to kind of give a context for what happened on the play, but otherwise it would have been experienced by these people like that that would have been challenging and 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 fresh and you still would have like the underdog sports story yeah you would still have the uplift of it but then it wouldn't feel like and kids you know what else was happening around this time the civil rights movement which you know a lot of those scenes feel like and i mean similarly too like i think you get more depth out of Quaid's character and we, we should talk about this in the Quaid Qua Quaid section but we don't see him outside of being a coach in the room or on the field so there isn't enough, I think, counterbalance to kind of help me figure out how he gets to be a better person other than just talking to, to Ernie, right? And even though they have years together, we're effectively seeing like 10 conversations they have over this season.
2: Yeah. Well, and I don't necessarily, like, I certainly don't need a scene in which the Schwarzwalder family lets Schwarzwalder know. That, you know, his heart needs to grow however many sizes to to accommodate this player's experience and to be a, a true coach and mentor to a black player. Like, I, do, I don't need to see that with like the, you know, Juan Cello in the background while he's tucking someone in. Like, I don't I don't need it. And I'm glad we didn't get it. What you didn't
0: want his wife, Sandra Bullock, to adopt like a black lineman?
2: <laughs> no. I'm good, and then I don't need to hear Young MC on in the car while they're driving somewhere. Mom, I'm all set. You don't with, want, you don't got. Okay, that's fine. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> I do apologize.
2: Wow, I hadn't been mad about the Blind Side in years, and it's right there. It's right there. It's like a teratoma of movie loathing, um, is the thing I just said on a microphone. Um, okay. What was my point? I think that the way that I suggested or some other mediated way of telling this story also lets you contend with the Jim Brown story, which is like a, you know, multi-volume Jim Brown made in America prospect as it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um. Without letting him and, frankly, the more charismatic actor playing him, then I think that that lets you hold certain aspects of the story that threaten to get in the foreground and stay there and elbow everything else out. I think that um, the mediated approach or some other one would have been better more innovative like at least try it and you can still show the football as people are sort of like remembering critical games then you can have a you know have a montage it's a sports movie people need that it's fine Mm -hmm. as it is this just felt like it could have been better it was fine in some ways but I also just wanted to see more of certain things and certain characters and less of certain, like, doomy, foreshadowing cliches of movies of this type. So I had it right in the middle at a five. Hey,
0: we're having a weirdly consistent day. I, <laughs> my thought about it was, you know, th- this feels like it's not a beloved movie that no matter how many times I'd seen it, if it were on TBS three times over a weekend, I might wind up watching 20 yeah. minutes from it's not each a, broadcast. It's not a poppy or Nope, I, I agree. But... I mean, I could see, you know, if it had been a couple of months, a couple of years, if I turned it on it was there, unless I was really committed to finding something, I'd just leave it. And, you know, all right, I'll do a half an hour of this it, yeah. until I get to a scene I remember enjoying. You know, maybe it was just like, that is the nicest and most charismatic Jim Brown I've ever seen in mm-hmm. my life. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, or you know the the bit where I I was affected by Dennis Quaid and his character Schwartzwalder becoming a better person, and I was like I was a little teared up at that. I'll watch that again. But all those same liabilities are still going to be there. Of like, oh okay, all right. Well, here's the part where we see what's going on with Orville
2: Phobus down in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. All right, so we're both at a five on that. Um, The Quaid Qua Quaid, though. Quaid Qua Quaid. I mean, I feel like we're in a um, yet another sort of liminal time (laughs) in Quaid's Mm -hmm. career where it's like the Qua part is in flux.
0: That's an interesting way of thinking about it.
2: Because it's like now he's in this like coachy, dilfy, sheriffy, lawn copagandy zone or he's sort of going into that zone from being the like hotshot flyer or football player. Now he's the annoying, broken nosed, drunk colonel or Mm. (laughs) I'm getting too old for this shit police captain. Like he's he's verging into that part, but he's not there yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's more than one kind of avuncular. There's lots of bad avuncular, but he's definitely into avuncularity from here on out. And and there's a certain like sexlessness and a certain like physical limitation that, that comes with it. But yeah, I mean like so many of our examples of that in society and in our personal lives are like annoying and bad people. And I think he flirted with like, hmm is, is he having an alimentary dilemma here now? Is that is <laughs> does he have piles? Is that what P- what what, what what's going on with his lower GI and the exit in, in this gentleman? He's old enough. <laughs> that this is a problem. I don't know. Maybe where a thing that where a is the polyp? Computer.
2: Show us on <laughs> the dog.
0: Get the ragged wax statue out from, uh, sorry, call back. And call
2: forward, I fear. Yeah, he, with his like, sort of Bear Bryant rig on, it's like, there's this weird like window that opens where you remember far from heaven. And you remember any given Sunday. And it's like, I don't, the Quaid wheel is still in motion and it hasn't it hasn't stopped yet. So what we're talking about when we're talking about Quaid Qua Quaid is, I think, a more open question mm-hmm. than it sometimes is, certainly like in the 80s. It's like, you know, is the shirt off? How many smiles? Okay, that's easy. That's an eight and a half. Like this one is tougher um let's hear a clip and then maybe i can finally land on a a number instead of being like how quaint is this orange like i don't even know here's clip three.
1: i had a halftime speech all planned out and it seemed pretty good up till about 10 minutes ago it was all about victory and champions and glory but this is not just a game anymore We're fighting something else out on that field right now. And I can see it just as clearly as you. And that's why winning this one means nothing if you lose yourselves. Don't give this one away. Keep it. Hold on to it for yourselves and for everyone in this room. It's here. It's right here, and no one can take it from you, gentlemen. Not the officials, not the crowds, and certainly not the other team. It belongs to you, gentlemen.
2: I was actually kind of impressed by his delivery of that absolute 10 pounds of cliche in a Five pound tube sock with Roy Williams' face on the side. Like I thought he did okay in this role. I just don't know how Quaidy it is.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I found myself wishing that in one of those early rushes that Ernie breaks off and just takes it to the house. That maybe they could have done a, a couple shots ahead of time where Quaid is getting more discouraged, more mouth drawn in, like uh, <laughs> like when Jerry drops the alum in Tom's mouth and it just sort of sphincters shut so he can't eat (laughs) Jerry and the, you know, and then suddenly that like, Oh Lord, what a heavenly light end of the right stuff. Grin just breaks across his face as he sees the yards just melting beneath Ernie's feet. You know, that would have been like, ah, there's our boy. Yeah. But I think he does have a problem as an actor with, you know, like as, as we said earlier in this episode, many times in this series, a kind of constipated delivery Mm -hmm. But it works. And I think he learned to make it work for these kinds of characters as he aged into these roles. Yes. And so when you see, like, his eyes starting to well up when Ernie wins the the Heisman and says he's a good man. And I don't know, maybe it's just being like an older guy myself where I kind of want people who I have shepherded uh, through life to some degree to reflect that way on me. but. Just that little kind of glint of, like, uh, melting inside. I was like, ah, you did it. That's, that's exactly what you needed to do. And it's good. It's really good.
2: Yeah. And when Ernie does win, then you get the one grin that was like, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. And there was a little, not rascaliness, but just that sort of victorious. I was a young man once. And true. Grin that every now and then, like I don't think that either of us is ever going to say that Dennis Quaid is a great actor or has great range, but sometimes within the band of stuff for which he is cast, explicitly or not, he absolutely just hits it right on the screws. But not necessarily. They're like, oh, we we're swinging at that, huh? Okay, oh, there it goes. Not to mix the sports metaphors here, but no, I like it. Yeah, I thought he was well cast for this. I think that this kind of by numbers sports movie, Billy bookcase script, is um, speaks to his gifts. In fact, and I actually didn't think I was going to be into it with the horn rimmed glasses, but I probably would. <laughs> so I'm giving this a I'm giving this a seven and a half because I think that in this instance we just have to sort of remove some of the traditional expectations of what a an Urquadey performance is gonna be mm-hmm. and just take it for what it is. He was cast correctly, he did well, the script wasn't helping him, but he helped it. Like, he just occupied this part of the script really well, and he looked cute in the hat. So, seven and a half. What about you?
0: I was just at a seven. I, I think maybe I'm holding on a little bit too much to our earlier rubric of what Qua Wade is, mm. and hoping to see maybe a little more joy in, you know, the natural gifts and, and the, the the tenacity of his player. And just of, like, what it meant to be a coach. Like, there is... Uh, not as much as in vantage point where you get the sort of uh, the hunched constipation on the dais <laughs> before um, the president shot. but there is that kind of sideline like <clears throat> kind of a uh, hunch growl yep And so I think it doesn't prepare us as well for when he really does start to see you know this this player is a person and I have not been recognizing his personhood enough and you know the point is made that he's using, societal prejudice as a cover for his not growing even as he's blaming societal prejudice for being backward it's like well if you agree with that then you need to make the first move yourself and it feels much more like a switch is being flipped and i think maybe you know if along the way, maybe some physicality or some expressiveness that said like okay even though i'm impatient with you I respect you, you know, a little more than I'm showing as, as as we're seeing in in the movie. I think would have aided that transition better, but I think he did really well. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe It should be seven point five or eight, but uh, I'm clinging to I'm clinging to my old ways, my old formulas. I'm not w- ready to grow yet. I want more grin. So seven.
2: Okay, I think that's fair. Before we head into the outro, do you have any notes about? How many how much hallmark shit Jeff Stultz has been in as Lundy, the 31-year-old wide receiver.
0: No, I didn't even clock that. Um my only IMDB dive was that uh the director of this, Gary Flater, was also known for Runaway Jury and uh Kiss the Girls. And for me a personal favorite, which you'd think, I'd never tell, but it's actually don't say a word. <sighs>
2: never tell anyone god comes right back it really does. they used to um they had those on autoplay on television without pity back in the day and we got more mail about that than any other thing ever <laughs> like how please get the network to turn these things off so the network was like all right we'll substitute something else and it was bush cheney ads we were like oh my god <laughs>
0: Oh, put, put the Brittany Murphy back on.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, R.I.P.
0: Next time on Quaid in Full, Horseman. In the meantime, grab some barbecue with your teammates and check out the show notes. And follow the podcast on Twitter at Quaid in Full Pod. And there's even more content on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Quade in Full. in Full is hosted by Sarah D. Bunting and Jeb Lund and edited by Jeb Lund. Don't subscribe yet? Refuse to compromise your principles with a sick and unjust status quo and go sign up wherever you get your (laughs) podcasts and rate and review Quaid in full so other people can find it. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.
1: This has become a fiamma. Break it up! It's a Adani.